Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. It's a church in South Central Kentucky, and this is Tim with Tim. Each day, Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock, give or take a few minutes, we take 10 minutes and we go verse by verse through the Word of God. I'm on Facebook, uh, live, YouTube, live, or later, whenever you want to watch. Uh, you can catch a podcast anywhere you find podcasts on Spotify, whatever you want to do. If you would like to go through the Word of God together, then uh, we are your people and this is the place and I'm glad that you're with me. Today, we are in Exodus chapter 24. How you doing, y'all? Good? Uh, I said last week, I love Exodus chapter 24. In terms of the context of Exodus, it's kind of a pivotal chapter uh, but at some point late in my life in ministry, I just sort of discovered this moment in the Old Testament, and it still to me is just so beautiful and weird and amazing, and so let's look at it together. Um, you should probably understand that in the ancient world, as I think we've talked about this, in the ancient world, a covenant was ratified, a covenant, a testament is uh, an agreement, uh, a contract, so to speak, and it was typically in the Hebrew terms, cut. You cut a covenant, which has to do with the slaughter of an animal, a sacrifice, which is a part of uh, covenant making. Uh, basically, three parts of a covenant ceremony. The first is um, the, the written element, uh, the written terms of the agreement or the promises, the uh, in this case, the law and the, the promises of God. Uh, God is binding himself to the people. They're obligating themselves to God in this mutual relationship. The most striking thing about God's covenant with his people in the book of Exodus is the fact that these are radically uh, unequal parties. You know, in a marriage covenant between a husband and wife, it's a mutual covenant between two people, two equal parties. Most covenants are, you know, between two peers, but this is the most radical, lopsided covenant ever because it's between God, a holy, majestic, sovereign, you know, transcendent God and ordinary people, radically unequal parties. So this mutual obligation, God obligates himself to the people and they obligate themselves to God and his word and his will and to the obedience of everything that comes from his mouth. And, and, and I love that. As I mentioned, the second part of cutting a covenant is the, the sacrifice itself, the slaughter itself, the shedding of blood. Uh, in, in, in many instances between human parties, the animal would be, would be cut in two, slaughtered, uh, its parts separated, and then the two covenant parties would pass in between the, the separated carcass of the animal. It was a way of saying, if either one of us were to break this covenant, let what happened to this animal happen to me. You know, if, if, if I break my word, let, let what happened to this animal happen to me. That's why you pass between the the, the carcass, that the parts of the, of, of the slaughtered animal. So there's a shedding of blood which seals that covenant, and then there is typically a covenant meal. Uh, the wedding reception, you know, so to speak, the, the celebratory meal, the meal of friendship, the breaking of bread. And so you'll see those very elements in Exodus chapter 24, the ratification of the covenant between God and the, the, the children of Israel. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. It really, really is 
amazing. Uh, there are two different moments when the people are asked to, you know, uh, to commit themselves to, to God. Uh, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. They repeat that twice, once in verse 3 and then once in verse 7. At the beginning of the chapter, the Lord calls Moses, uh, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and then the 70 elders of Israel to come up. But at first, only Moses approaches God. The others uh, are going to worship from a distance. Moses comes back and forth between the people. He gets their pledge of obedience. Uh, he then slaughters the animal. The blood is splattered against the altar. And then the blood is splattered on the people, uh, which again is just an amazing kind of moment. And, and then an amazing thing, verse 9. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. There they saw the God of Israel. I know, I know, right? It's like, no, they didn't. You can't do that, you know? I mean, later in, in Exodus, uh, what is it? Exodus chapter 33, Exodus 33. I mean, God's going to say, no one's going to see my face and live. You're not going to see me and live. You know, so what is it? Do they see him? Do they not see him? Uh, well, the, the scripture wants you to know they are in his real presence. It's, um, they, they see something of him. Uh, I mean, Though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. Now understand, uh, in this uh, amazing you know, flash forward of, of the gospel and the Lord's Supper and everything else, they are accepted in the presence of a holy God because of the blood. Don't even make me preach you that sermon, you know? I mean, they're accepted because of the blood, the power of the blood, right? Um, but do they see God or not? Do they really eat this magnificent meal in his presence and literally behold his beauty? Well, uh, like most instances of seeing God in Scripture, they do and they don't. Uh, I mean, they do. The Scripture says that they do. Notice what it says. Uh, uh, they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet, there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli. It's a, it's a precious stone, uh, a, a deep blue, kind of between a turquoise you know, and a, what, a sapphire. Is that blue? Um, uh, the, the surface of a brilliant blue lapis lazuli as clear as the sky itself. So that's the description you get. And that is um, beautiful, uh, amazing, and also uh, interesting. What do they see? Uh, well, mostly his feet. <laughs> they see mostly his feet. That's what it says. Uh, now, under his feet, there was this transparent sky, so to speak. The, it's almost as if they're gazing up at heaven and the floor of heaven becomes transparent and they see the bottom of God's feet. <laughs> you know, they, they see God from, from below. Um, so, uh, like I say, in, in most instances, of a theophany, a, a, you know, a manifestation of, of a visible image of God in the Old Testament experience of, of seeing God, there is this, you know, this granting of vision, but then there's also this concealing of the vision. So, so they see God's feet from below, like you're looking through the, the, uh, the floor of heaven, um, but mostly just his feet. You know, I, I suppose that when you're worshiping God on your face, uh, his feet's going to be the most you're going to see anyway. But uh, anyway, isn't that just really interesting and and beautiful? Um, 
that they were granted. I mean, I mean, what? I mean, you said, what? You know, what they really didn't see him. I mean, of course they did, um, but then they can't possibly. You know, you can't possibly. You know, your eyes can't behold uh, his glory. I mean, so yeah, they see. They don't see all. Uh, they, Heaven is, you know, transparent for a, this moment while they eat this magnificent meal in the presence of God. They, they just eat with him. Um, why does God allow this? Um, because it's all God's ever wanted. I, I know that's so strange for us. Uh, remember at the Last Supper when Jesus gathered with his disciples and he said, man, I've been looking forward. I've, I've been longing for this with, with you all. Um, the fact that God, this majestic God, so far beyond our imagining, our seeing, beyond our, our, all of our capacity you know, to comprehend, um, to even understand that he just wants to be with us, that he would leave heaven you know, just to be with us. He loves us. And so in this moment, feasting with the elders of Israel, it, it's all God ever wanted. You know, I, I just think it's so beautiful that he loves us. I don't know why he loves us. I don't really know how he loves us, but he loves us. And, and that's what breaks my heart about this story. Because this is all God ever wanted. And, and these you know, elders are allowed to worship in his presence and gaze upon his glory and eat this meal you know, with him to eat a meal, enjoy a meal with God himself. And then to realize, and we're going to read it, that in just a matter of days... In just a matter of days, these very same people will dance naked before the golden calf in a matter of days. They have this moment of glory and beauty and intimacy with a God who obligates, who binds himself to them through this covenant. And then uh, they will dance naked before a false God in just a matter of days. Um, wow. Wow. Doesn't that sound just like us? God is so faithful, and we are so unfaithful. God help us. I'll pick up right here tomorrow. Uh, again, let's pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, let's read for tomorrow chapters 25, 26, and 27. Not long, but chapter 25, verse 1, through chapter 27, verse 22. 25, 26, and 27 for tomorrow. It's Monday. Y'all know where I'll be. It's my day off. Uh, I will be found probably later at Myers, Lord willing, buying groceries for the week. Uh, I will uh, be... Uh, uh, preparing in many, many ways for uh, the days ahead at our church and in uh, the days ahead for Tim with Tim. We're going to finish up the book of Exodus and we'll continue to talk about what comes next. But I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful Monday. Uh, stay in the word and I'll see you in the morning. We're in 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you guys.